Hey, photographers, welcome to the Boca Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm here to help you build a sustainable photography business. That means improving your photo skills, building on your business knowledge, and honing your marketing abilities. But it also means helping you work more efficiently so you don't get burnt out in the long run. We do try to bring the show to you commercial free, so make sure to check out our sponsors, photographersedit.com and Milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. Photographer's Edit is custom photo editing for the professional photographer, and Milu is the simplest way to create and manage timelines and shot lists for the events you're photographing. Again, photographersedit.com and Milu.com. All right, let's get into today's episode. Okay, Boca Podcast listeners, we are back for a brand new episode today and a brand new guest. I, it is my privilege to spend a little bit of time with Zakira today. Zakira, thank you so much for making time for the Boca Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Nathan. And you know, what's kind of funny, actually, I, I was thinking about this a little bit earlier, is that despite the fact that we're recording on Zoom, we're actually not very far away from each other. We're both in the Chattanooga, Tennessee area at the moment. Exactly. Not so far at all. Of course, you know, with the current environment, we couldn't meet in person yet, but I know that will come very soon because we're also connected through the Tamaya COVID education program too. Absolutely. And I'm crossing my fingers that the cookout conference is going to still happen this year in October here in Chattanooga. And uh, for those of you listening in, if you've never heard of or been to the cookout conference before, you're going to want to check it out. We'll make sure to link to information about the conference in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. The conference is supposed to happen in October, so I'm hoping by then we're in a much, much better place and we can all get together for a really great conference. Absolutely. Yeah. And I look forward to meeting what we call our extended cousins and also speaking. Um, I think we've agreed on maybe two speaking sessions. There's like going to be a breakout one where I just kind of introduce myself to those who have never seen me before. And then there's one that would be all about uh, storytelling and kind of uh, on the same lines of what we're going to have a conversation about today. Okay, perfect. Well, yeah, we'll, again, we'll put a link in the show notes, bocapodcast.com. You can learn more about the cookout conference. And and then I want to actually jump to something here before I get into my questions with you, Zakira. One of the things that I, I'm noticing on the homepage of your site right now is you have one of the most concise brand position statements that I've seen from one of our guests to date. Um, and very simply, it says, and for those of you who are listening in, if you actually go to Zakira Nayar. Am I pronouncing that correctly, Zakira? You got it. Perfect. Z-A-A-K-I-R-A-H-N-A-Y-Y-A-R.com. Of course, we'll link to this in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. But it says, I'm Zakira. And then the position statement, I inspire women to step outside of their comfort zone. And this is a really, it's just so wonderfully simple and so specific. How did you come up with that statement? Well, it took me a little bit of exploring myself. Uh, it took me a bit of exploring my own comfort zone as well. Um, I feel like it really started with my first out of country travels. So that itself allowed me to step outside of my own comfort zone. Before traveling to Costa Rica, which was my first ever country, I didn't want to travel to any country. I really didn't. I was okay with our road trips up and down the East Coast. Um, I was okay with all the truck trips uh, that I took with my dad. But then uh, being in Costa Rica, 
first of all, the, the primary language is Spanish. So I had to learn Spanish. And then we'll talk about it a little later, but I also am hearing in Paris. I wear hearing aids. So I wanted to, you know, make sure that I was comfortable. And it was hard to do that, but it was also easy at the same time because I was with a group that uh, at that time they were called Global Explorers. And so the group itself featured, had other uh, group members that were either deaf, completely deaf, or also hard of hearing like me, or wanted to learn sign language. So it was still a matter of just stepping outside my own comfort zone with every trip that I have taken. I've been to 10 countries as of, you know, 2020. But then when I realized also with the incorporation of my photography, with the incorporation of my marketing skills, and now even the um, incorporation of being an author of a memoir, each time I had to step outside of myself, step outside of my comfort zone. And in turn, that's actually what people would tell me, like, wow, you really empowered me to see another side of me. You empowered me to, you know, be more grateful. It's just just certain things that came along the lines of me interacting with other people that I realized, okay, I think my purpose is to help you, empower you to step outside of your comfort zone. Wow. I love that. And how do you, I mean, you mentioned being a photographer and then also being involved in marketing. You have a marketing company and now you're an author as well. But I guess I want to focus primarily, um, at least in this conversation or this, this part of our conversation about the photography or on the photography, how do you help women step outside their comfort zone through photography? So stepping outside my comfort zone through photography would definitely be defined as because I am an extroverted introvert. So I love one-on-one interactions. So my favorite style of photography is portrait photography. But at the same time, before every session, I know I have to give myself a little pep talk, a little warm up, listen to a certain playlist that really gets me pumped up. <laughs> so uh, by the time I'm, you know, I'm there because my goal is all about making sure that they're comfortable, making sure that they're satisfied with the photos and, you know, what have you, depending on what kind of portrait session it is. So then, of course, it's just a matter of every photo shoot that I have, it's very different. Every human is very different. Even if I have a same, similar thread of clients, every person is very different as far as what thing that they may be not used to or uncomfortable with. And so that kind of pushes me as well. It's like, okay, I see where your weaknesses are and I see where I have to kind of make it a strength to help you to, you know, be more confident, be more body positive about it, you know, whatever it may be. So most of the time, it's every time I'm in a studio even outdoors now, there's more natural lighting portraits that I could do as well. Uh, every time I'm, you know, have a new client, it just allows me to learn something new and truly step outside of my own comfort zone. I love that. And I love that it, it works for both you and for your client as well. And I appreciate you sharing your perspective on that. And again, props for having just a really clear and distinct brand position statement. I, I love that. It's front and center. It's above the fold, all the things that we kind of talk about here on the podcast. So I love that. But let me kind of transition to another question, which has to do with customer experience. How many years have you been a professional photographer? So it was actually as of May 2020, I've been professionally doing it for 10 years. However, my very first camera was gifted to me by my mother. I was about five or six years old, and it was a Kodak Polaroid camera. Um, But there's actually even further of a backstory to that. So I am a cancer survivor. 
and I am a survivor of a rare childhood eye cancer called retinoblastoma. And it was through a photograph that my mom took, of course, similar to most moms who love to take photos of their newborn babies. But this time she was taking photos of me and she saw this white glow in a photograph. And so back back then, this was when you had to, you know, print out photos or uh, go to the convenience store. And so by the time she showed the photo to multiple people, went to multiple doctors before I officially got a diagnosis for the cancer. So ironically, it kind of full circle that a photograph uh, detected and uh, resulted in the diagnosis of my cancer that later on when she gifted me with the camera, I began running with the camera. It was like my my baby. I joined at the hip with the camera at five, six years old, photographing everywhere that I went. You know, we went on a lot of road trips. And then I got my first digital camera in middle school. So of course, middle school was fun. And then by the time I got to high school, I was a part of the yearbook committee. And then I was even attending a technical high school where I studied commercial photography. And that was fun because that opened the doors to film, that opened the doors to darkroom photography. And even then, um, I've always loved music. So then by that time, I learned how to use my camera to capture my my friends who were music artists. And then I just continued to expand my education. So I took my camera with me on my travels. I think the first time I really took my DSLR or digital single lens reflex camera was to Ghana. And so from there, that's when it was like a different level of photographic storytelling, a different level of showing people my vision literally through my eyes. And so I always expanded my education. I then went to Washington, D.C. to study photography at a program, um, which is now unfortunately bankrupt, but it was a part of Boston University. They had an art school in Washington, D.C., so I studied professional photography there. And so with those courses, I learned a bit more. And then, of course, I just continued practicing, even when I wasn't learning uh, at a specific school. I was always practicing, of course, with every shoot that I had, every place that I traveled to. So it's officially been 10 years, but ironically, it's just been full circle. Wow. Well, and I appreciate you sharing a bit of your story there, and we'll get into it in a little bit more detail in just a bit. But with 10 years as a professional photographer, what is one of the most important principles that you've learned about providing a wonderful customer experience? What's made the biggest impact for your customers? There are so many gems, but I think it really narrows down to relationships. I mean, sure, uh, as you go on and technology improves, you can automate your system, you can automate your flow as far as leading up to uh, being acquired uh, as the official photographer for the event, for the portrait, whatever it is. But the most important thing has been the relationship. I mean, I value relationship. I, I love people. And so I feel like when you have or develop that relationship, especially with being open, being vulnerable, because they're going to also be open and vulnerable with you by allowing you to capture uh, pretty much their soul. So relationships is really the essence of being a photographer, but also of, you know, be, having a business. Yeah, it's true. And and you mentioned something interesting. It stuck out to me because I just was having a conversation with another photographer, Tony Black, who was talking to me about the significance of vulnerability. And she was talking about how in order to, and I guess jointly, we were discussing how in order to have a client who's in front of us be willing to be vulnerable, to put themselves out there in order for you, the photographer, to capture really beautiful images, you have to be vulnerable with them. You have to be comfortable enough with yourself that you can help create a comfortable environment for them 
And ultimately, that encourages them to be able to kind of come out of their shell and be more expressive in front of the camera. Um, and so I love that you highlight that. I mean, ultimately, it is about the relationship, but part of what enables that relationship is creating a comfortable environment for them and creating a comfortable environment for them means being comfortable, at least to some extent, with ourselves. That's really, really important. And uh, so I thank you for highlighting that. I think it's a really important principle to be reminded of. But I actually want to kind of transition to a, a different angle or different conversation, really. And that is to do with time management, um, finding free time as professional photography business owners. It can be tough. And I'm curious if there's a particular workflow principle that you have implemented that's made a big difference in enabling you to save some time, have a bit of freedom and flexibility. Yes. So time is money. Time is of the essence, but time is also, I would say, can be a weakness for some creative. Like I know I recall in the beginning of my business, I would love to just focus on creating, love to just focus on brainstorming, just getting new ideas. But really the, the longer you work and the more you're into your certain flow, you then know that, okay, you kind of have to have a little bit of time in each aspect of your business. That is, of course, you know, if you're not outsourcing um, any any of the difficult tasks. So you have to really manage your time. And, and one of the ways that I do it is try to have an hour per task. So if I, if I did have a photo shoot, um, I spend an hour editing one client's photos, or if it's a time of year where I need to just kind of get ready for social media to promote, you know, to get more clients or either even do social media work for another client, have another hour for that. So it's just been, it's, 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 a juggle uh, because procrastination, you know, does happen. Life does happen. But I try to either have no more than 10 things on my to-do list uh, for the whole day so I don't feel overwhelmed, first of all, and then also dedicate an hour per task. Of course, if depending on the day, depending on what's happening, sometimes the create, creative juices may be flowing. Maybe you're working on a personal project and you're actually in the mood to get it 99% done. So sometimes, okay, two hours toward that is a okay. But it's also okay to just remember, remind yourself to step away from the computer, step away from that specific task and, and go eat, go sleep, go wash up, you know? Yeah. Cre- creating limitations for your time. It's actually a good reminder for me, in fact, too. But and, and the cool thing is it's really easy for us, even if we don't normally wear a watch, even though I know a lot of people do and, and more specifically wear some kind of an electronic watch. It's very easy even to go to our phone and turn a timer on, set that timer, start it, and then go to work as you were talking about on a task for whatever it might be, whatever works best for that for that person's personality or their tendencies, whether it's a half hour at a time or an hour at a time, and then create that limit. The cool thing about that is it really does two main things. One, it forces you to work more efficiently, more quickly, knowing that you have a deadline. Um, and it, there's an interesting that hap- interesting thing that happens when we're kind of forced to work a little bit quicker. We tend to get things done quicker. So we'll be more efficient, number one. But then two, on the other side of that, it gives us the opportunity because we've worked more efficiently to also take breaks. So we can break our day up. We work for an hour. We work for 45 minutes. We take a 15-minute break. And then maybe we jump back in for another hour. And we do that three or four times in a day. And the reality is most professional photographers... Um, and I could speak from experience, probably don't need more than about 20 to 25 hours a week of actual work, like doing real work to run a business. And then that gives you all kinds of freedom and flexibility on the other end. Absolutely. And I definitely say that time can even be reduced when you do outsource the most time consuming tasks. 
Well, and, and you really set me up kind of brilliantly for my next question, which has to do with outsourcing and delegation. But is that something that you've experimented with in your business? And if, and if so, what have you delegated or outsourced? Yeah, so it took me a while because I am so used to doing everything on my own. I feel like the good thing of that, because I know how to do all the different aspects in my business, it it took me a while to really find that one person that could literally be my twin and, and do everything for me. But sure. sales, of course, is something that's um, considered outsourcing, which of course would later mean outsourcing a CPA when it does come time for taxes. Since I'm a creative first, so I focus on creating, not really monetizing. <laughs> and then, um, of course, systems. So, I, for example, I use um, Dubsado just for the system of acquiring a new client. And then even photo editing. So I really prefer to just um, have those conversations. I prefer to just do the photographing and then leave the editing out for someone else. Yeah, I know that that's brilliant. And I love that you kind of have different areas of your business that you've outsourced or delegated. And of course, um, I, I have to at least give a shout out to Photographers Edit, who is the the sponsor, obviously, of this or producer of this podcast, the book of podcasts. And if anybody who's listening in is curious, um, as business begins to pick back up, things begin to get back to somewhat normal and you're ready to delegate that editing work. So it frees you up to focus on building your business. You can just go to photographersedit.com to get more information uh, but I really appreciate you sharing your perspectives, Akira, and, and you, you made a really interesting point, which is that you you did it on your own long enough to to know what it is that you wanted. And this is something I've been emphasizing a lot in the podcast as of late when it comes to delegation or outsourcing, as some might call it. It's important to understand very, very clearly what it is that you want. If you don't know what you want and you're just kind of you know, just hoping that, that the person that you're delegating to gets it right, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. So you have to be clear about you want what, what you want, correct? Absolutely. And I feel like what I've also learned from experience is if you don't know what you want, you can't look for the other person to know what you want because then it, it creates um, – fiction, it creates miscommunication of, okay, well, I like what you did, but I don't like what you did because it's not me. It's not what I wanted. And so how uh, most people are not mind readers, even no matter how close you are to people, most of them (laughs) are not mind readers. (laughs) So you kind of have to say like, okay, well, I kind of like simple edit. I don't want heavy retouching or I, you know, have this financial goal and this is what I want to focus on this month. So it's just a matter of of having, uh, I feel like it's open and transparent communication about, okay, this is my style. This is how I operate. Yeah, I, that's that's really, really good. I, it's a, such a great reminder for all of us. You're right that nobody can read our minds. I mean, it's a re- good reminder for me. It's a good reminder for everybody listening in as business owners and for that matter in our personal lives too. It's funny how a lot of times um, we, we assume or presume or project onto a situation and and whether it's conscious or not we're expecting somebody else to just kind of read our mind we have to learn how to communicate clearly and in order to communicate clearly we have to know what it is that we think and what we want and uh, so I, I appreciate you reminding us of, of all of that it's really good it's good for me too talk to me about uh, an impactful business or self-help book that you have read or listened to I mean this could even be a podcast if you prefer as well but what has made a really big impact in your life in the last few years well, I think there's several. I'm always learning in that aspect. So I feel like life is my school uh, in, in that aspect when it comes to podcasts, when it comes to books, when it comes to YouTube. Um, so I think maybe a great business podcast that I love is the Nicole Walters podcast. Um, ironically, we were both bloggers around the same time in the early 2010s. But then she, uh, I would say, pivoted and, you know, 
really found her purpose and was walking into it. And then she started using her corporate skills and to help entrepreneurs. So she launched a business podcast. And but I do try to read or listen to books also. Um, I think the first ones off the top of my head, I really enjoyed listening to the uh, um, Audible version. Of course, it's in paperback or hardback as well. Act Like a Success by Steve Harvey, um, Gary Vaynerchuk. Uh, I actually had the, um, it was on sale. So I got it for less than the normal retail price of crushing it. So I loved, you know, just crushing it. His, yeah. His, yeah, his perspective on, social media and marketing in general in a way that it's going to continue to change. Uh, and I think I've also ironically been a huge fan of Russell Brunson's, it's now a trilogy, of um, secrets. She called them dot-com secrets, expert secrets, uh, chocolate secrets. So it's like he literally has also taken what he's learned to help other um, businesses to navigate the online and e-commerce world. So those are just a few books off the top of my head. Yeah. And, and Brunson also has a site called, what is it called? Traffic and Funnels? Traffic Secrets is the latest one by Russell Brunson. Oh, is that what it is? Okay. Traffic and Funnels is actually a different site. He, Russell Brunson had, I, I want to say that Russell Brunson has a, um, a site that enables business owners to create. Oh, yes. Actually, he created ClickFunnels. ClickFunnels. That's what it was. Yeah. Yes. Thanks for reminding me. Okay. So ClickFunnels. Yeah. And then, of course, crushing it, you mentioned Gary Vaynerchuk. Another kind of a good follow-up maybe to that is uh, a book that Gary wrote called Jab, 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 Right Hook, which also has to do with using social media in the correct context. Because, I mean, I'm guilty of it, certainly. It's very easy to just kind of copy and paste the same content to every platform. And the reality is we need to be creating content that's more specific to each platform because not every platform is used in the same way. Uh, but jab, 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 right hook also alludes to the idea of giving value, giving value, giving value, and then making an ask or then making a sale. And um, I, I just love his mentality about that. Act like act like a success. Uh, who did you mention was uh, had written that book? Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey. Right, right, right. I love Steve Harvey's energy that he brings. It's just, it's infectious. Um, what is the book about? What was like, what's one of the key takeaways from that book? Well, interesting enough, I've been a huge fan of him uh, for a while. He was a comedian first, and I love, you know, watching stand-up comedy. My family and I love watching stand-up comedy. And then when he kind of shifted into, then he shifted into helping, having help writing a book. But the first one was about uh, love, right? Love and relationships and, and wow. inside a, mind man, a man's mind. And so then, uh, maybe a couple of years later, he ended up writing a book. It's on the same how-to guide theme, but instead about love, it's about business and what he's learned about, you know, businesses. Because obviously he has a million businesses um, at this point. You know, radio, he still did comedy from time to time. He had, he still has a TV talk show um, and he has his hands in a few productions. So just his, uh, basically a how-to guide and also in a way the a memoir, part memoir of, how he's what business lessons he's learned from more than ten years in the entertainment uh, industry. So it's really just a how-to guide of also a mindset shifting of really how to believe uh, and act like a success in your business. Okay, very good. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm a huge fan of his his energy, and I I actually don't know much about his past, so that might be a really interesting read. And then you mentioned Nicole Rogers. Is that R O G E R S? Nicole Walters, W-A-L-T-E-R-S, yeah. 
Oh, okay, 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 got it. Nicole Walters. And then do you know what the name of her podcast is? And we'll we'll try I to- think it's literally just the Nicole Walters podcast. Yeah. Okay, cool. Oh yeah, I see it right here. Okay, Nicole Walters Walters podcast and Oh, awesome. All right. So we'll link to that then in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. The, the intro to the summary of her podcast, the description of her, her podcast says, uh, it's for the everyday entrepreneur that wants to increase their income but doesn't know where to start. If that's you, you're in the right place. Uh, that's a pretty yep. compelling introduction. So yeah, we'll link to that in the show notes as well. And thanks for sharing all those resources. Really helpful. Um, let's, let's get to kind of our primary focus in conversation today. And I know that you and I chatted ahead of our, our conversation, our interview today, and we talked about you sharing kind of the three biggest lessons that you've learned as an entrepreneur and as an individual uh, thus far in your life. You said you're in the process of writing a memoir. But will you, before we get into those three big lessons, will you share a little bit more about your background? You kind of you, you got into it a bit earlier, but let's expand on that just a little bit. Okay, let's see. Let's see. Where do we leave off of? <laughs> Which chapter of the life did we leave off? I think we started with, I think we finished off with uh, photography. Okay, so yes, photography. After I finished school in Washington, D.C., by then I was also, I had internship that turned into jobs where I was a photographer or a videographer but I also helped them with managing social media. So there was one specific studio. They had depended heavily on what there was, it was Groupon before. Well, it, it, it called Living Social, but it was literally the, what Groupon is now. Right, right. And so he depended heavily upon that to just get any kind of portrait clients into the studio while he stepped out and did more weddings and videography for, you know, it was Washington, D.C., so a lot of political events, sometimes music. But I was the one who pretty much manage the studio and I was I was brainstorming ideas I'm like okay we need more people in here and then he would like have at it you know whatever you need to do he gave me access to the Facebook pages I think it was just only Facebook at that time Facebook pages and I was the one who was booking the shoot and so that's uh when I really kind of uh put my hand in more uh social media for other businesses so by that time I knew about Facebook pages it was just coming out when I officially started in 2010 okay so of course I learned how to help my music friend to say okay you need to be on Facebook you need to reach more people and then it was just with that with other working with other small businesses and then later nonprofits and then later a I was a founding member of a startup music agency so they weren't a label but they helped independent music artists to get themselves out there on social media and whatever uh you know they needed to get more attention so it took maybe about five years before i was managing maybe two hands full of clients and i was overwhelmed i'm like okay this is great i'm glad but i'm tired what do i need to do so then i reached out to you know the amazing power of facebook groups to other um social media uh experts i would say i'm like okay who wants to uh, help me with social media. And so I kind of had to do a little bit of resume searching. And so that was my first experience of really learning how to hire. And so there's this one lady, uh, she's of Nigerian descent. And so by the time we worked well together, it just, every, a lot of people have come and gone. I've had some great team members and not so great team members, but she just really stuck with me. And so I had this idea in uh, 2018 to officially launch a marketing agency. So I called it Focus with a PH originally because I wanted to just make it all about photography. But then that's when I realized, okay, I work with so many small businesses that understand but need the help with branding and social media and even photography. So 
Then in 2018, I launched Focus Media Group. So the goal is to really take the headache out of social media for small businesses, ideally for minority-owned businesses, because I feel like they don't get enough traction as they should. And so together, that's what we operate. And that's where Focus Media Group came in. And then I guess maybe now we'll just kind of fast forward a little bit over to during this whole time, the thought process and the writing process began for the memoir. Of course, I'm on social media so much, talking about my story a bit more and making it a part of my introduction. Like, okay, my name is Akira. I'm a brand cultivated strategist, photographer, and cancer survivor. And a lot of people are like, wow, you're a cancer survivor? So a lot of people were just learning that aspect of me. And normally I'm like, I was still kind of shy or maybe timid about it. But then I'm just like, okay, well, you know what? I think this is this is part of my purpose of inspiring others to step outside of their comfort zone. I need to step outside my own comfort zone and uh, share this story, you know, in a, in a modern version of in a way that people, anybody really could relate to. And I feel like that's what it came down to when it came to the review that I started to get on Amazon. People who may not even be affiliated or, or have anyone in their family with cancer, it was just eye-opening for them of like, you know what, I'm grateful for this book because it showed me another level of gratitude or showed me um, that there's always someone else going through something worse than what I am going through. So I feel like that's just the gist of always, no matter what I choose, it's visual, it still involves people, it still involves leaving an impact. Well, and your perspective is pretty humbling and certainly inspiring, ultimately. I mean, despite what you have been through, all the physical challenges in particular, your your perspective of there's always somebody else that has dealt with worse than I have, it, it's such a good reminder. Um, and, and I try to remind my kids of this on, on a relatively regular basis, I guess, but it, it's a good reminder for me, too. And, and I really appreciate you reminding us of that and encouraging us with that. But speaking of important lessons. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and especially during these times, it gets it gets hard. Sometimes we're just so wrapped up in, oh, my goodness, my husband is home all the time. Oh, my goodness, my kids are in my head all the time. But at the same time, I try to remind people in my own email list, I'm like, Remember when you were like, I wish I could work on my side business. I wish I could have more quality time. I wish I could um, spend more time with my kids. And it's it's like my one of my favorite Eminem songs. Um, you got one shot, one opportunity. Are you going to take it or leave it? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's such a powerful song too. But it's again, it's such a great reminder. And you're right. It, you know, we forget so easily, and I've been guilty of the same thing. We forget so easy where we've come from. And and like you just pointed out, now people are complaining about being stuck in the house and having kind of too much time on their hands and not knowing what to do with it. And they're stuck with all these people all the time and they want to get out. And, and you know, it wasn't very long ago when the opposite was true. So yeah, perspective is everything and maintaining a healthy perspective, understanding that it could be worse is that's such a great reminder. I really appreciate that. But speaking of, of important lessons, um, I'd love for you to just kind of sum up our conversation today and and I mean, years of, of just wide ranging experience as an entrepreneur, as a human being with three really important lessons that you feel like you've learned. Can you share those with our listeners? Yes. So three great lessons that I feel like I've learned over the course of 10 years in business. Um, one, I feel like they almost go in, in synchromatic order. Uh, the first idea that comes to my mind is to follow your purpose. So once you do narrow down what your purpose is, 
everything will kind of flow because you figure out your purpose. I think the best example that I've been able to give uh, online is you figure out your purpose by thinking about what were you doing when you were, I guess, before you were 13, before you had a job, what were you doing or what could you do? Uh, if And it took someone else kind of taking you away from it, but you loved it so much, you lost track of time, you were just so happy, it gave you the most joy. What was that, right? So most of the time, I feel like it's age seven to even 13 that you think about like what it was that made you really, really happy. Of course, for me, that was photographing, uh, photographing people. And so first is finding your purpose. And once you do find it, technically it never left you, no matter how high up you go into the corporate ladder or no matter how many kids you have, it never fully leaves you. That inner child is always in there. So that's my first tip of find and follow your purpose. And then um, I think the next tip is uh, practice, you know, practice fulfilling your passion. So of course, for me, I would not be where I am today had I not studied, had I not worked with other people who know a bit more than me, had I not uh, continued to practice even after school was finished. There were plenty of times where I would just utilize moments of street photography. And that's how I learned to gain the confidence to ask people, hey, how are you? Can I take your photo today? Or um, even just being a risk taker of bending, bending and not necessarily breaking the rules of photography uh, such as leading lines, such as rule of thirds, things of that sort. So practicing. And then I feel like the last big tip I have is pivot when necessary. So for me, going from photography and then to marketing and then to writing, it's all kind of goes hand in hand because as a photographer, you kind of already have to do those things. You have to write to educate, write to pitch, write to write your own about your bio and then marketing you have to learn how to market yourself until of course you can outsource that market yourself and learn how to put your story and your work on social media so i feel like let's see follow your paper follow and find your paper uh practice always practice your passion because practice makes perfect and then pivot when necessary to make sure it's still aligned with again your purpose but pivot and change and improvise when necessary. And you mentioned the commonalities between the marketing work to do that you do, the photographic work that you do. Of course, you're you're an author as well. What is the commonality? Is it is it people? Is it interacting with people? Or is it something else? I think the key word is storytelling because you have to write. When you write, you tell stories. When you photograph, you tell stories. When you use social media to market you tell stories. Um, so I feel like the, uh, the keyword is, sure, it's storytelling. It, it, it does align with people, but I feel like the keyword really is just storytelling. That's, I love that. I love the simplicity of that and, and the fact that you're aware of it too, because you've obviously taken the time to, to understand what it is that you're doing in order to be able to communicate it so clearly, um, which is not something that a, that a lot of entrepreneurs can do. And if they do, it's, you know, they're probably borrowing a phrase or a word that they heard somewhere else online just because it's the end thing to say. And it kind of felt good for them too. So they just ran with that. Um, but I love that you've, you've thoroughly, it seemingly thoroughly thought through all of this and you're able to, as a result, and, and like we were talking about earlier, because you understand it well, you're able to communicate it 
so succinctly and it, it's really, really beautiful. I'm so impressed by that. And frankly, I, I need to work on that myself. So I'm, I have a lot of respect for that. One last thing I want to touch on, though, that you mentioned, and we talk quite a bit about the significance of finding our purpose and understanding what our big picture view is. That's something that we talk about quite a bit on the podcast here. Um, in practice, um, I, I hope in some ways it goes without saying, but it's, a, it's certainly a good reminder that we need to be consistent in our effort at refining and honing our skill and, and looking for ways to kind of step outside uh, the, the sometimes limited box that we put ourselves in. But you talked about the importance of pivoting. I think this is really interesting, a, a really beautiful example of how you you understood what your purpose was, which was storytelling, and then you found different applications for that underlying purpose. I, I, I think it's important, a great reminder for all of our listeners that we don't necessarily have to stay doing the same thing if it's not ultimately supporting our bigger picture goals, that we can pivot, we can make adjustments, we can potentially even follow a different career, and it can still fit within that underlying purpose as you've demonstrated. Yes, so I think, well, maybe that was kind of long-winded. What's the question? <laughs> I agree with everything you said. <laughs> that no, that's fair. That's my fault. I can be kind of long-winded sometimes. Uh, it, it's not. It's not so much a question as just, I guess, an observation. And again, a lot of respect for the way that you understood. It's not that you were going to live and die by photography because photography wasn't kind of the underlying purpose. Your underlying purpose is storytelling. So you have found outlets. For, for that storytelling through photography, through marketing, through becoming an author. And I, I think if nothing else, it's just a really great example for all of us that we don't have to necessarily stick to the exact same thing um, if it's not meeting our personal, let's say our financial goals, for example, that we can look for other outlets and opportunities to ultimately fulfill that, that underlying purpose, which for you, again, it's, it's storytelling, right? Right. Yes, absolutely. So, I mean, everyone is, is really different. I mean, of course, some situations kind of require you to have to pivot, but I've, I there's a um, brand that actually comes to mind. They're called Mess in a Bottle. They started out as a um, t-shirt company and the t-shirt company is like, the it comes in a bottle, a bottle that you can use to drink, BPA safe, and you get the t-shirt in a bottle and it's always an empowering message. So it's, it's woman owned, woman founded. So of course there's a lot of woman related empowering message. Like you are beautiful, you go girl, things of that sort. But even now uh, she's shifted to, of course she can't really sell too many t-shirts right now. She's shifted to making masks and that still also have empowering messages on the mask. So it's just a matter of um, doing what works, doing what works in regards to changing while still doing what you love. Like ideally she loves crafting, she loves creating, she loves empowering through a physical product. So it's just a matter of, of course, sometimes you just need to be quiet instead of starting a new thing or starting a new skill or starting a new business. You kind of get quiet and pay attention to the signs, I would say, that kind of give you the ideas of um, how to really change uh, into a way that would also allow you to impact more people and still be fulfilling within yourself. Ah, that's perfect. You summed it up beautifully. And and I really I have to thank you again, Zakir, for making time for all of us today, um, for sharing your perspective and what you've learned. And for everybody listening in, if you just go to Zakira Nayar, so it's Z-A-A-K-I-R-A-H-N-A-Y-Y-A-R.com. Of course, we'll link to it in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. Um, you can learn more about Zakira and what she's up to in business and in life. 
And uh, I have to say again, thank you so much, Zakir, for making time for all of us. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much, photographers, for listening to the Boca podcast. Will you let us know what you thought of the show by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is Nathan at BocaPodcast.com. We do try to bring this show to you commercial free, so make sure to check out our sponsors, PhotographersEdit.com and Milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. Photographer's Edit is custom photo editing for the professional photographer, and Milu is the simplest way to create and manage timelines and shot lists for the events you're photographing.